Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer, this recording is not intended to be used as medical advice, nor is it advice from a doctor. I am a coach, a recovery coach, and I offer advice from my own experience and my clients. But please, if you think you are in need of medical help, seek it immediately. We'll also be talking about subjects such as binging and purging, depression, and other sensitive topics. So if those trigger you, please listen at your own discretion. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have an interview with Michelle Ho. She is a fitness trainer, life coach, and binge eating coach. I found her on Instagram and really related to her content and thought I'd bring her on to share her thoughts and journey with you guys. She was a former binge eater and yo-yo dieter herself. She broke free from the vicious cycle six years ago. Quite a long conversation about binge eating and bulimia, and I think you guys will like it quite a bit. That being said, enjoy the episode. And also, if you guys are looking to join my next eight-week program that starts February 27th, early enrollment, which gives you a discount, ends the 13th. So go to my website, check that out. Don't hesitate if you're interested. All right, enjoy the interview. Bye. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Jacqueline. Great. I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah. Cool. And I know that I introduced you already to my audience, but can you introduce yourself to your to my audience as well? Um. Yeah. Sure. So I am a health and fitness coach. I live over in the PNW, Pacific Northwest of the U.S. And uh, I started out in personal training, found my way into focusing more on healing your relationship with food. And helping people do that because that's something that I struggled with even as a personal trainer. Um, and so once I healed my relationship with food and overcame binge eating, it was like, wow, uh, I can't really see fitness the same. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't want to help people with just losing a bunch of weight or just doing things that really weren't healthy for them. Um, so yeah, so that's how I ended up getting into uh, binge eating coaching. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Once you struggle with something, it's kind of hard to go back to the same way of things, especially yeah. sometimes not that there are a lot of good personal trainers out there, but I feel like there are certain personal trainers that are just not eating disorder informed, informed at all. And they're still in that zone of just constantly like, all you do is count your macros and stuff. And it's like, that works for some people, but it does not work for everyone. And they're just like, oh, lose. I remember I had a trainer one time that tried to make me, she's like, oh, I'm eating disorder informed and stuff like that. And like, she had put me on the most restrictive diet. It was crazy. It was like, I can't do this. Yeah. She's still like, I don't want to go back to where I was. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and it's like, it's the food part, but it's also it's just the whole, the whole idea that like this kind of standard idea of what you do in a gym, like these days, like I still actually, I still train a little bit, um, in person at a gym that I have with a friend locally and I love it. And I have people come in who will say like, Hey, I want to lose weight for a wedding upcoming, something like that. Um, and I'll just start talking to them about it. And I'll frequently convert them <laughs> to oh, no, no longer having that goal. <laughs> to, to, well, to not having that goal, right? And just focusing on their whole health and looking at it more longer term. And mm-hmm. so, and I'm happy to do that. Like sometimes people won't convert and sometimes they will, but I'll do the work that I can to try to try to steer them that in that direction. You just, 
uh what is it an evangelist you're like knocking on people's <laughs> doors like excuse me do you know about yeah. weight loss and its effects and yeah that's so funny um but no like an evangelist. that's funny I know what you mean it, it depends on certain conversations I hear people say things and sometimes I just pick and choose my battles I'm like I'm not gonna say anything they're not open to anything yeah. but if someone says something really crazy and like they're kind of offering it up for discussion I'm like yeah have you like thought about this thing instead like maybe you know and then usually yeah. starts the conversation but anyway we can talk about that for a while tell us yeah. I like to start out um you know what is your story what awful thing happened to you basically and like how did you get into this I know you said like you got into personal training and this but like tell us a little bit about your background with disordered eating and binge eating and all that sort of stuff yeah um I mean I retrospectively like I can look back and see that there were quite a few things like I was coping with food in a lot of ways when I was a kid even um and just had some really poor health habits like just ignoring my need for sleep mm. <laughs> um that I didn't pay attention to as a kid like I didn't I didn't know any better um so looking back I can say like oh those definitely kind of led me into more likely to struggle with a, some kind of eating disorder but um I didn't know it at the time and I would say when I really started to realize it was in uh, college and it was because of actually weight gain um I had grown up a pretty like thin kid and when I got into college I stopped exercising as much and I was just eating a lot of this school food and I also was coping with food massively because mm -hmm. I was away from home for the first time in my life um I was lonely stressed didn't even totally know why why I was in college and so I was just eating tons and tons and tons and I gained that freshman 15 and at the time that terrified me I was like I, I don't want to keep gaining weight. I don't want to feel like I'm getting sicker. Um, and so that was kind of a turning point for me or like a rock bottom. But it was then like eight years of like going to extremes with healthy eating. Um, and then kind of finding my way out of that before I really, I would say recovered. Yeah, it's interesting with the when you're talking about the freshman 15, but also you like, I don't, didn't even know why it really, why I was in college and that sort of thing. I feel like it's just unfamiliar. That's why my eating disorder was most prominent too, is each time I kind of transitioned into something that was unfamiliar, didn't really know why I was doing it, didn't kind of want to be there and just felt like everything around me was awful or like something I couldn't quite place why it was that way, but like something weren't quite right. And so food kind of became a big answer to that. So, um, it's a familiar story we're all uh, that we all know. Can I ask kind of what were some of the key ways or key cornerstones of your own recovery? Like how did you kind of get better, I guess? Yeah. Um, so at after that rock bottom moment, I started getting into health and fitness and just kind of learning everything I could about nutrition and health. And um, like I said, got too obsessive um lost a ton of weight and the binge eating wasn't better it was worse um what? weird so, <laughs> yeah um and so after a while it was like okay 
I still didn't notice it. I still didn't notice it. Like maybe part of me knew that part of the problem was like this obsession with health, but it, it wasn't clear to me until I just honestly tried so many times and finally decided, hey, I'm going to get an outside perspective. Um, that was spurred on by listening to actually Brene Brown. Um, I love all of her stuff and just her talks on vulnerability. I had so much shame around binge eating, around what I was struggling with, that I remember I actually scheduled a therapy appointment. Uh, mm. I had access to it through my school and I got to the appointment, opened the door, like don't even, I couldn't even tell you what the therapist looked like because <laughs> I didn't look. And then like shut the door back immediately and like left. I didn't say a word to them. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't reply to any phone calls or anything. And so, yeah, um, I wasn't open to it then, but yeah, it was like, rough. it was like, <laughs> it was a step, right? I was actually almost talking to someone. Um, and then it mm -hmm. was actually my, my business mentor. He's the guy who basically helped me get into personal training um, he had a conversation with me one day and I, I was talking about it at that time. I was like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And, um, I feel like a fraud in my work cause I can't help people with their eating. And he was like, well, could, have you thought about like getting like some kind of coaching or support? Mm. And I was afraid. I didn't feel like it was worth getting help. And this is where worthiness was a big part for me. I felt like I should be able to do better. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I hear all the time from people and I feel like then I find myself thinking to myself and it's like, why well, you just, this is not helpful. But anyway, continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, it was a huge story. So anyway, he was like, hey, you're not gonna feel worthy until you treat yourself worthy. And that really hit me <laughs> and so I ended up um just finding a life coach I did a little research um to find one that I liked I found one actually through a podcast um with Handel group and they talked about helping you to build habits um break old ones like change your thinking and help to rewire that and that resonated with me at the time yeah. and so that was huge uh, for me, just having that support, working through the all of the thoughts that I had that were going on, like um, what binge eating meant to me, like how I like I kept wanting to do it, like why that was and also why I didn't want to do it, like mm -hmm. all the head trash that was going on. <laughs> head and, trash. Um, I like that term. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that one yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of head trash. Um, so that, and then also that coach actually, she didn't know about, uh, like she, she wasn't informed in eating disorders at all, but mm. like she did think to look at like how I was eating and she was like, just pointed out, Hey, you're not eating very much in the day. Do you think that might be why <laughs> you're eating so much at night? And mm. Yeah, it was like, oh my gosh, 
I think that sometimes getting help from people, because one of my life-changing calls was with a coach that she was not eating disorder informed at all. And she didn't, she she wasn't into nutrition or anything like that. But she like pointed out like this very obvious pause thing that I hadn't tried. But I think sometimes people with eating disorders, especially they're so informed on nutrition, so informed in like they get in the weeds of this nutrition thing, this insulin thing, this all and all that sort of stuff. And this, those things are important, but they lack then perspective. They're so zoomed in, they forget these macro things that you need to change and that is a big one I see and if people are like oh I'm totally eating enough during the day I'm like you had a protein bar and then maybe like half of your lunch and that's it you know or there's a few so you had coffee all day you know that's all you had and then they wonder why they're binging at night but the fear did you have any resistance to changing that because some people are like I'm gonna binge anyway so yeah so I didn't. Um, I know I've worked with a number of clients who have. um, But yeah, but for me, when as soon as she said that, it was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's good that you were receptive to it then. Yeah. 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 There was at least, you know, there was a little fear of um, like, I would, I was afraid of the other side. Like if I would binge eat at night, I was afraid of kind of letting go of that because I still had fear around like not getting enough food. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that cycle or just fear of like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would, I would just freak out. Uh, everything would crash and burn. There was no logical sense to it really. Um, what do you mean by freak out and like the fear of food or not getting enough food? Yeah, the fear of not getting enough food. And I think it could have been like physiologically, like a fear, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, and that's maybe why it felt illogical. But um, when I started working towards letting go of actually binge eating at, at night, um, that was really huge for me. I think that fear of not getting enough food is a common thing for sure. Especially if like if you've experienced, you've experienced the extreme of, being overly hungry or restricting for a long time but you've also experienced this you're over hungry so you binge and it's like oh my god if I don't get enough food then I'm gonna binge and people almost like actively avoid hunger and then they binge because of that it's a really weird phenomenon that happens it's like you gotta find that middle ground and that's hard for people to reach yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly um and that took me a while to get the hang of I would say the next couple of years um mm-hmm. even after like not binge eating anymore um Mm -hmm. there was still a lot to navigate I would say in just figuring Um, out a balance yeah I found that there was still overeating quite a bit for me in recovery and then sometimes I'd still push my hunger too much it it sounds like maybe it's the same for you yeah yeah there was definitely a lot of overeating (laughs) and then having to work through like not shaming myself about it and not and that was like that was it that was the biggest thing to help me actually stop overeating as much. Well, tell me um, that's something you, so people that don't know, I talked to Michelle before this podcast, because we talked about what we want to discuss. And you brought it up several times. Shame. Like, why was that important for that? Yeah. I mean, just over and over, it's big, right? Like, even, even when I first realized I had this struggle, like, think I was just so wrapped up in this I would say ego like Mm. I was like I didn't 
I was an athletic person. Um, I was a runner in college, literally had people looking up to me for my healthy habits um, while I was struggling with binge eating. And so it was like I had the idea of people knowing that I actually really struggled or just really putting that out in the open um, was really just embarrassing to me um, mm. and shameful. And but that was the only way I could really start to heal was actually pushing into that shame and talking about it more. And I just find that over and over, even still, the more I talk about it, the less shame I have. Um, And when I talk to people like online, same thing for them, they'll like say to me, right? Like we're talking about this subject and they're like, wow, I feel already way less shame and it actually helps a lot so Mm -hmm. yeah I love that you know speaking of Brene Brown I don't know if you mentioned it to me on the call but the shame cannot survive being spoken right or something like that that's her quote and it's so true and I think so true you're gonna go off what what you're saying I agree I think there's something to to speak it out loud you have to admit the problem And I think thinking it to yourself is one thing, but truly saying it out loud to another person is like, this is real now. This is confirmed. Even if you say it out loud to yourself, it is like a lot more real, but saying it to another person, you've had to swallow back your pride and your ego and be like, look, I do have this problem. Because if you don't admit that you have the problem, then you're not going to really be able to figure out, or you're like, it's really not that big of an issue or they're just, it's a blurry problem. And when you admit it, it's a clear, concise problem that you're like, I do need help, but I do need to change, you know, and it just is like this wave of, yes, I admit that I'm not infallible. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an interesting, like it was the combo of, I admit I need help and also like being, accepting that it was okay to need help. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were really hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. Do you find that it's still hard for you sometimes or no? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I feel like, you know, going through recovery and like ending binge eating, I still see some of the same like patterns and like struggles I need to work through in like other areas of my life. Um, So now it's like as an entrepreneur, as a coach, um, kind of putting myself out there, there's a lot of that that comes up. Um, And so yeah, it's, having to work through that same feeling of like oh my god it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to need help with this because I don't know what the f I'm doing so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I find too the more you admit the mistakes that you're making along the way or times when you kind of regress and be certain behaviors I think that that happens to all of us even as coaches and counselors and therapists um the more people relate to you it's like uh I forget who it was uh why can't I remember his name that's disappointing I'll probably edit it in but he was saying about the this phrase of you know you're not the teacher on the hill you're the teacher that's with the people right and I think the more we can just Mm. be real and transparent the more people you can help too because you're not trying to be like so far above them and perfect and that's that's not how it goes yeah I agree with the shame thing um I want to kind of switch subjects because I found this pretty interesting because you uh, and I hope you feel comfortable talking about this because we didn't discuss it ahead of time but 
uh, you know, you struggled with your gut health quite a bit and having to be a bit more restrictive with your eating during recovery. And I hear this a lot from clients, obviously many people with binge eating and bulimia, they struggle with their gut health, but then sometimes they have to go on restrictive diets and it's a real hard thing for them. So I know, can you speak a bit more about that and how you were able to achieve that? Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to talk about it. I think so when I was working with my coach, we did mostly just work on the mindset and also just getting me to eat more in general. Um, <laughs> I was struggling with IBS and I still didn't have all the answers to that. I just had a lot of fear around a lot of different foods that I thought would make me sick. Mm -hmm. um, and so like gluten and sugar and all these different foods, I, I was, I think I was probably low FODMAP as well at the time. And mm -hmm. so that cuts out a lot of different foods. Um, for me, I found that that it was the way I was thinking about it was for the sake of my well-being. Um, and I think that that is really what helped me to be able to be okay still keeping those foods out of my life and not have it feel restrictive and driving a binge, um, mm. if that makes sense. Um, that said, like I, I've worked with a couple of clients who have had it worse than me as far as the symptoms and what they have to really actually keep out. And I think the hard part comes is if you can't eat enough, if it's, mm. or it's just really, really hard to eat enough. Um, and like, I have one client in particular where that's the case. And like, I think it's, there's this, there's this actual like biological component of it where like, I mean, if you are in excruciating pain because you ate a piece of broccoli and <laughs> now you can't eat for the next 24 hours, it's really hard to recover with that, even if you yeah. do all the mindset work. So yeah, I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there. So for me, it worked out because I managed to figure out a way to eat enough with the foods I could eat. Um, and I kept the f mindset, the way I was thinking about it was always just for the sake of me, like feeling good and wanting yeah. to take care of myself. It wasn't about, you know, weight loss or anything like that. Yeah, it's like you have to be really careful when you're doing it. It's technically not a restriction. It's a, hey, we're doing this because otherwise we're going to feel really awful. We're not going to be okay. Yeah. For those people that can't eat enough, I would assume focusing on super calorie dense foods that they can eat are the main solutions to that of like whatever is the smallest volume that can get the most calories, like all the fat, please, that you can possibly have is the solution. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which can yeah. be hard too, but yeah. All right. Well, let's help. Can I ask you a question about like mental trash and um, or like brain trash, whatever you said. And basically, I'm sure during the restrictive, the restrictive things you had to do for your gut health, and then also just your recovery process in general. How did you sort through that brain trash? Because I find some people they commonly think, all right, I have these thoughts that aren't helpful. I know they're not helpful. I just need to fight against these thoughts really hard. Like, what did you do? Mm. 
Yeah. Um, I think the, so the method that my coach took me through was really helpful for me. Um, it's not for everybody, but we did a lot of just like journaling out these thoughts, mm. um, that, you know, weren't helpful. I just free, write Like a purge onto paper. And I would go back through them maybe like a day or two later and just not fight them just like look at them and gently question them like hey mm, I like that's that. an interesting thought um it helped to do it a day or two later because then I wasn't as like in it yeah <laughs> so to say um but yeah I think coming at it from just this gentle approach like what's what's actually going on here like what's the truth um is this actually true um and so I do similar work with my clients where um I like to call it just being gray as gray as possible um look for the truth but also know you probably won't have all the answers interesting (laughs) kind of gray wall yourself basically (laughs) yeah, yeah yeah so it's like okay um like bread is bad I can't have bread because it's gluten and because all these things I know about it like it makes me gain weight or it's full of carbs and so it's like looking at that and like okay like we don't have to fight that you have tons of people who are telling you this is not good um so rather than just say no I'm gonna eat it anyway it's like okay I mean maybe it does have a lot of carbs okay, maybe it does have gluten. Gluten is rough on some people who have gut issues. Do I have gut issues? If I don't have gut issues, then it's probably, probably okay. Like really gently kind of like talking through it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I like the gentle questioning. That's, I was actually on a consult today and I suggested that I'm like, you don't need to necessarily fight them, but you do need to question them a little bit and be intentional about doing that. Um, But then also I like the element of a few days later that you said, and that's something yeah. I think in my early days, I didn't really realize was required. Time is an element of change. And um, it's oftentimes when I'm going through something emotional, sometimes I just need to like allow myself to be in whatever I'm in and kind of succumb or surrender to those feelings, have a good cry or whatever it is, or freak out and then go to bed. And the next day, I'm like, feel like I'm 20% further along, you know, and it's just like repeat, rinse and repeat that cycle. And then a few days later, kind of thinking through things. And it is funny too. I just posted a reel about like journal entries and like looking back on them be like, who said that? What, what in the world? And it's like, it's true. What you're saying is like, oh, now that you're not in it, you see how kind of wild it, it seems and doesn't make much sense. That's all really good advice. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I don't know what I was going to, I was like, what else should I say or ask? Um, But uh, basically, so we talked about shame, vulnerability. Um, You talked about finding your self-worth. And I don't know where we're going to go from here with this conversation. But you said it was like something very crucial to recovery. Can you, do you have any other thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I guess just to say like self-worth it's that's a like a phrase thrown around and it means different things to different people um for me I think it's mostly about not not needing to feel shame or embarrassment um being able to just be as I am and so Mm -hmm. like for me 
like a lot of what drove me like emotionally to binge eat was feeling like I needed to push to be enough. It was this pressure to be enough. Um, it was, you know, like in college, like I need to get really good grades um, in my work. It's I need to push to be like an amazing coach, <laughs> like mm -hmm. all of this stuff. And the more, the more I can just let myself be okay where I'm at. And again, that's like what enable, like that's how you're able to like share with somebody else, right? Like, hey, it's it's okay. I'm here and I'm struggling and that's human and I can, I deserve help. I deserve, um, or I don't even deserve it. I just like, I can have it, if that yeah. makes sense. Ooh, I can have it. That's a really good phrase, actually, to say to yourself. And something you said about like the pressures, I see that all the time with my clients. And I don't know if that was, it was definitely, yeah, no, it was like a self-worth worth and pressure thing for me too. Like I would, I didn't know that's why I was binging sometimes where there was this element of like, I should be so much better than I am and I should be here yeah. and I should be there. And then like feeling completely overwhelmed with how much you're supposed to be and then just turning to whatever coping tactic you could um, or feeling like, well, I'm never going to get there. So I might as well do this. But then I also see it with my clients a lot, this element of I got to do this, this, and this. And I have to keep up all these pressures. And then the only relief that they can find or go to is binge eating. Um, and it becomes this reward and also shameful tactic. And almost, I don't know, we're just, I'm just spitting out weird theories of my mind. But, um, <laughs> but I wonder if it's also kind of like to confirm their identity. Because I, I don't know about you, but when I was going through bulimia there was this deep sense of like I am a terrible person or like I'm just like you said not worthy and disgusting all these things and so binge eating was kind of a way to be like see look this is what I am and so I wonder if it's just like a way of affirming your identity kind of self-fulfilling prophecy sort of stuff yeah yeah I mean you're like I don't know I don't know for sure just I don't know the, for sure yeah just going on um, the ledge it's fine <laughs> It's, I mean, well, like I theorize something similar and I think it can be helpful to like consider something like that. Um, my, my coach, one of the things that she had me look at was like, okay, like, like, let's look at why you want to keep binge eating. Um, and that was a really, really helpful thing for me just to be like, okay, like, how is this actually serving me? Like, what is it providing me in many ways? And one of the ways it was like, I mean, it sounds like not great, but like staying where I was at, like mm -hmm. this comfortableness, this not having to do something different. And so, yeah, in that sense, I think, yeah. A lot of people <laughs> aren't doing that same. intentionally. Like no one, no. no one says like, oh, you know what? I'd like to stay exactly where I am. But it is this way of like, um, I always use this example. I went skiing. I've only gone skiing one time. But the time I did go skiing, the person that I was with kind of like encouraged me to go further than I should have. And so I started falling on purpose. Like I didn't really realize I was doing it, but it, like the, the skiing would just go too fast and I would freak out. And I was just like, no, and I would just fall just to like stop the speed, you know, and like stay comfortable. And it wasn't, and the person even said, he's like, I think that you're falling on purpose. And I was like, I'm not doing that. But I was like, I kind of was. Yeah. Because you know? it just brings you back down to what you know. It's almost like you have to get used. There's this new 
tolerance that you need to have for whoever you're becoming. And that's kind of hard to deal with. Um, and then also yeah. what you said about why's like why you people often ask like in a very judgmental way, why on earth would you do something like that? But I think people, I hear people say this a lot. Like, I know it's crazy. I know it's not rational. I know it doesn't make any sense. I know all these things. And I'm like, well, why does it make sense? You know, and let's go to how is binging serving you? What is it offering you? Because if you don't know that, like you're saying, you can't really maybe weigh the pros and cons properly. You can't then try to offer what binging is offering to you and so with something else, you can't solve the problem. So I certainly agree with that too. It's really something people try to skip over. Yeah, exactly. Well, and yeah, I mean, when I'm talking to people about it, I think, and because this is what I experienced is when I didn't do that, it was always just like, I skipped over it, like you said. And so it just felt like a fight. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't understand this other part of me, which was there, which was real, right? And wanted to binge. And I didn't like listen at all. So it's just like, I think it's like when you interact with another human being and two people don't try to understand each other and just fight each other, like you yeah. get nowhere. Um, and it's just you know they both just nobody get angrier, their mind. they're like you're not right. listening to me i'm not listening to you like rah, rah, and they just go around it's like yeah it needs to be middle ground like that's all compromise basically mm -hmm. yeah. yeah no yeah. it's a good way to look at it for sure and it is just i don't always like to think of the binging me as a separate person but i do think of it as like a version of myself like the binging yeah. eater in me, the binging and purger in, in me, they definitely are there and they are me, but they're technically not entirely me. So then having, knowing that that part of yourself and communicating with them almost as if they're another person can be a helpful way to distance yourself from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Another person, however you want to treat it, right? Like, I think my coach was a lot of like another person. I also just like to think like, I'm one human who can have many contradictory thoughts and that can yeah. like all of them can be like totally what I think um mm -hmm. yeah I think just life is so much more in it's so much more truly in the middle ground in the subtleties um yeah and that's you know we talk about being getting out of this like all or nothing mentality with dieting um and I think that's what this work is is like being willing to just sit in that you it's not either or it's both mm -hmm. it's really yeah important. it's our our brains want to make simple assumptions all the time it's not fun to think that things are complicated and there's things that we might not understand and that it's a little bit of both and you don't really know and like it's it's not certain i think things that are complicated are not certain which is not easy always to comprehend, which is why when I go to that like black and white thinking, so mm -hmm. part of the reason, not the only reason, obviously, <laughs> just as we're yeah. saying, everything's nuanced. But I think that's a big piece of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been really interesting. I like to ask people. I, I know that you have some things that you're offering too, like a free. Um, is it a free workshop or a free class? Actually, it's a free class. Okay. It's a cool. recorded online class. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. I want to ask about that, but first, I wanted to ask to wrap things up is there anything like there's there's someone out there right now listening to this that's struggling like in the depths of their eating disorder what advice would you give to, to them so number one is 
start sharing. Um, so going back to that vulnerability and shame can't handle being spoken. I think that's the biggest thing and that's the biggest start. It, it was for me and just over and over I talked to people and that just initially being able to talk about it, especially with people who actually get it, that's key. Um, so share um, so that you can start to break the shame, I think is number one. And then um, I would say as best as you can, think about that recovery is really learning how to be compassionate with yourself. Mm. Um, whether that looks like compassionate enough to give yourself the time to recover or compassionate enough to fuel yourself well, even though you know you're going to binge later or you're afraid that you're going to gain weight, but giving yourself the patience and the time um, to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, those are both beautiful. And I just want to say this is unrelated to what you said, but you were so thoughtful. Like you just tell in the way you think quietly and just like process. I feel like and I always admire people like that because I'm more of a just like, here's what's going on in my head. And just like that's and it's I am thoughtful, but in a different way. But you just seem like you're very thoughtful and like, no, this is what I feel is the right thing. So thank you for just sharing that beauty with us. I think the world needs to be more like that. But I agree with the sharing. Um, it helps my own recovery process a lot to share just with the initial people in my life. And then when I started my podcast, actually, the sharing of that healed me so much more than I realized I needed. And it just, again, yeah. took, it just blasted through a wave of shame that I didn't even know I had. And I think some people, they're holding on to a lot of shame that they don't understand. So I agree with that. Yeah. If I can do another yeah, note yeah. on that, it's like to just validate it. Like when I... When I decided to start actually coaching and working in this and then like, you know, posting publicly about it, I, that was the first time I was really actually, people are actually finding it out. Like I'd have like an aunt, like reach out and be like, oh my God, I didn't know you were struggling with this for years, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, um, but like the more that I did that, it, like you said, it was blasting through like another layer of shame and. I feel like it broke me more free and mm -hmm. it continues to like every time I show up like that and express um, the easier it is to let go of. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. Yeah. Not that everyone has to like post their bulimia recovery right. journey online, but it no. is healing. It's very, very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, to bring it into smaller pieces, like I, I talk about this with clients because I think it is important, you know, like even if after you recover, I think it's important to like accept that part of you that went through that and, you know, dealt with that because it's very real. And like, if you just kind of like push it away, oh, that never happens. I feel like there's, you're missing something um, mm -hmm. that is really important. And so, there's like that post-recovery shame. 
I see a lot of people do that where they're so obsessed with getting out of the eating disorder as they should be, you know, but they finally get out of it. They like get some distance. It's like they went, they hiked up a mountain and they look back and they're like, oh my God, you know, and there's that, there's this pride and happiness, but there's also this like, I can't, I can't believe I did, was in that for so long. I can't believe I did that. There's like shame and guilt of like time wasted. And yeah, so sharing it after that is really important too. Yeah. And like, again, not doesn't have to be publicly, like you don't have to coach at it or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, like I have clients who are just like, you know, start talking to, share it with a friend. Like, hey, I found that this worked with me. Um, or if they felt comfortable enough with it, you know, um, I have a, one, a client that's a, P, like a PE teacher and she would, you know, start to express like, how important it was to have a healthy relationship with food to her colleagues and even to her students. Um, another one that was just like sharing it in a, she was inside of a Noom, like the Noom app, if you're familiar with mm-hmm. um, like support group on Facebook. And she just started like sharing like tips about maybe using that app in a little bit of a different way, considering your relationship with food um, so there's lots of different ways that you can express. Um, yeah, I think that's a the support group one, like being able to guide people, even if it's free, a little bit can that reverse yeah. mentoring uh, piece that you get. That's kind of nice too. Yeah. Well, that's very all really interesting. I feel like we touched on a whole new subject too. But um, yeah, just to wrap things up, no, you're good. Firstly, tell people it's just all in one. Yeah, tell people where they can find you and about the recorded class as well or workshop I'm so sorry I don't know why I can't remember the term but tell people about yourself (laughs) uh yeah easiest place to find me is on Instagram um I'm on there a lot so and that's at coach underscore Michelle underscore ho h-o my last name michelle's instagram is really cool um that's how we found each other and i was listening to some of her content today again in preparation but even before that her content is just um pretty raw pretty real like you don't you obviously put effort into your content right but it's just you could you're speaking you're a real human and i really appreciated that and it's very straightforward too thank you yeah yeah i try to yeah be a real human um (laughs) and and share value um I have had even a couple of people reach out to me and say like, hey, going through your videos has helped me recover. Um, awesome. Obviously, they probably had some other things too. But yeah, so just like u- utilize it. It's all free. Um, yeah, so that's the best way to reach me. And then um, what was your other question? And oh, then class. the workshop slash class that's recorded. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you can get access to that um, when you join my email newsletter. um, And you can join that through if you go to the link in my bio on my Instagram. So okay. And what's it about? How does it help people? Yeah, so that is I basically teach the three keys that helped me to heal my relationship with food and feel like I could trust myself again, around like establishing healthy habits that are not restrictive and not driving binge eating. So I call it the three keys to mastering self-trust with food. Um, Nice. Yeah, you know, self-trust, we didn't talk about it, but that's a big one for people too. They're like, they know the things that they should do. And they're like, yeah, that would work for other people. But for me, 
I'm a wild animal and I cannot be trusted. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'd be curious to watch that too. I'm sure it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you right. can well, trust yourself around those uh, foods that you feel like a wild animal around. <laughs> yeah, it takes like going through fear and daring to do it and, and consistency and exposure therapy really. But anyway, I'll let you exactly. go. Um, thank you so yeah. much for being on the podcast interview. We'll stop the recording for you guys listening. But um, thank you, Michelle, for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm